The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him, a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Selah. Those are the first six verses of Psalm 50, which is the psalm appointed for today, Thursday, December the 16th, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. I certainly appreciate it. Um, I'm looking today, we'll be in Zechariah 4, 1 to 14, Revelation 4, verse 9, through chapter 5, verse 5, and then in the Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter, the first 13 verses. So, the the theme always, 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 always for Advent is be prepared. It's the Boy Scout motto. Um, it is be prepared for what God is going to do. And there's only one way to be prepared, and that is to stand positionally in Jesus. It's to stand with him in every way possible, to make sure that no one has any doubt that your salvation comes from the Lord, and it's found only in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And your hope is entirely in him. That's the way to be prepared. So it's, it's a very simple form of preparation. But he needs to be your everything. It needs to be everything in the world for you. That he has made a way for you to pass through judgment and into life. In the first lesson from Zechariah, remember that, that Zechariah has been confronted by the Lord several different times and asks what he sees, or he's been taken somewhere um, and seen something and had to ask the Lord what it was. The Lord's revealing things to him. He's revealing, actually, the way things work from the perspective of heaven, because he sees things that the Lord is doing. He sees angelic beings. He sees those who are going around the earth and watching over the earth, and he speaks with angels. So Zechariah has been shown, he's seeing the other realm, the unseen realm, the one that Elisha referred to when he was with his servant in Dothan, and the servant said, we're surrounded, and was in fear, and Elisha said, open his eyes, that he can see that we're not surrounded at all, they are. And so that's exactly what Zechariah is seeing in these things. The angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. Sounds sort of like Scrooge at this point, right? He said to me, what do you see? I, <laughs> I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold, with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it, with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. So he sees a, a menorah. And that menorah um, is, is being fed by two olive trees. So the, there's a never-ending source of supply for those, um, those lampstands. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? Well, I mean, you just woke me up and asked me this, <laughs> so I'm a little confused at the moment. I guess it would have been the answer, but, but he says, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, who is the governor, not by might, nor by power, nor by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts, grace, 
grace to it. And so it looks like a mountain, an insurmountable kind of a thing, that, that the rebuilding of the temple, they're discouraged because, remember, if you, if you remember, what, is, what you can remember is, is, is that when the foundation was laid, the older members of the community, those who had, had, who, who had a memory of the temple, because remember, they've been gone for a very long time in Babylon, and when they come back, the ones who rem- have any memory at all of the temple would be old people. And so they were just forlorn when they saw the foundation because they recognized, you know, that the incredible public work that was required to build that first temple. And they remembered the glory of the first temple. And so they see this foundation and, and they're discouraged beyond belief because it looks pathetic compared to everything else. But, but what the word is saying is, is that, that it looks like a mountain, but, but it's going to be like a plain before you Zerubbabel. And he will bring the top stone the top stone of the temple, amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands also shall complete it. Then you'll know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So, bottom line is, Zerubbabel is going to live long enough, however long it's going to take, to rebuild the temple and to see it completed. And, And then you'll know the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So that, that'll be the sign <laughs> that authenticates the word. And it's sort of like what Moses asks in the wilderness, what's the sign that these things will be? And he says, God's response is, when, later you'll come and worship me here on this mountain. Well, that's not really the sign I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is the sign of encouragement to go, to start with. I, the, the way a sign should operate is you, I should get it and see it before I take the risk. But God says, no, the sign will be that, that you worship me here. It's going to authenticate everything that happened before that. But you got to go. you got to go without the sign. And it's the same here. It, is he's assured that this will happen, and it will also be the sign. For whoever is despised the day of small things shall rejoice, and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. So those who are discouraged by the by the laying of the foundation will then rejoice later when this thing's finished, and they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel that says, "Okay, this thing is plumb and 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 good. We are fine." These are the seven eyes of the Lord. which ranged through the whole earth. And then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? And the second time I answered and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees, which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? And he said to me, do you not know what these are? Here we go again, right? I said, no, my Lord. He said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. And they would, they would believe that that would be Moses and Elijah. Just so you'll know, that, that's who that would indicate would be the Law and the Prophets in the form of Moses and Elijah. The same two that we see in the book of the Revelation who come and speak. And so that, it's clearly these two men based on the way that they're attired. And so here it's the same. So you, you see a sort of a prelude to what's prophesied in the, in the Revelation itself. So in the gospel today, Jesus, remember, has, has, this began with, the, this discourse began with the question of what are the signs that these things will happen, and, and the, these things was the destruction of the temple that's being built here in the time of Zechariah by Zerubbabel the governor. So what we, what we get then is, is that Jesus is continuing to talk about judgment and talk about the signs, and he says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. 
For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. They were prepared for a wait in case the bridegroom was delayed. The bridegroom has to, has to complete the work on the house of his father that, that adds an addition to the house. When Jesus says, in my father's house there are many rooms, I, 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 if there were not, then I would have told you so. I, behold, I go before you to prepare a place for you, as a bridegroom would do. That's the job of the bridegroom. And so the, the wedding itself takes place once the work of adding that room is complete to the satisfaction of the Father. And so it's that time, it's when that work is done that the wedding feast happens. And so that's the the context for what we're looking at here. And so they don't know specifically what time all the festivities will take place because it depends on the the completion of the task. And so there were ten virgins that they would have been sort of... uh, bridesmaids, let's say. And so five were foolish and five were wise. And the proof of the the wisdom of the five was they took extra oil. And the proof of the foolishness of the others is they didn't. So they weren't prepared for a delay. And so as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. When there's no judgment in that, all of them did it. But at midnight, there was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. In other words, they, they turned up the the uh, intensity of the lamp. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there won't be enough for us and you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, open to us. But he said, truly, I say to you, I don't know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So the the admonition is to be prepared, period, end of sentence. Be be prepared for a delay. Be prepared for any eventuality that, that would delay this. Just be constantly prepared. Always be prepared. And, that, and there's no other message to that, except there's a message that says, because you could be turned away. If you're not prepared, if you're not in Jesus, then, then you can be turned away at the marriage feast. In spite of the fact that you were not only an invited guest, you were to be an honored guest at that feast. But you weren't prepared, and that's entirely on you. And that's the, the kind of the point about people saying, well, God sending people to hell. Well, that's your choice. You, you have an option. You know, the option is to believe. Um, it's hard to get around that idea and to blame God for your own failures. But here, that, that's exactly what, it, what the point is, is to say is just that, that a failure to be prepared is a failure on your part for which no one else should pay the price. But you, however, will pay the price. And, and Jesus is very clear over and over about the reality of judgment. In the uh, epistle today in the reading from Revelation. Remember, we've just seen this, the, the scene around the throne. John goes through the open door in heaven and goes to the throne, and, and initially we don't know whose throne it is necessarily, so it could be some some lesser sort of uh, place rather than at the, the very throne room of God. And then as he goes on to describe the throne itself, you can see the similarities between that and what we see of the throne of God on the mountain in uh, Exodus 24 when Moses and the 72 elders go up and and have a meal with him. 
And so then it is obvious who this one is. It is Yahweh. He, it is the God of gods. And whenever the living creatures, the ones who, the four who are around the throne that we are told, say, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That was the end of yesterday's reading. Whenever those living creatures who do that give honor and glory and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, those seated on their thrones around his throne, fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And so what, they, what they're doing is, is they're saying, Hey, you know, we have these crowns, but we recognize we absolutely recognize that we're not worthy to wear these crowns. In in the presence of the living God, in the presence of the one who created all things, and by their by your will they existed and were created. So they're they're giving glory and honor to him for the power of creation and the glory of creation. That's the specific thing that they're praising him for at this point, because they're recognizing in that the omnipotence of God, and they're recognizing the power and the transcendence of God, that he so far surpasses all other things that that it's ridiculous for them to sit in his presence on a throne wearing a crown. And so they throw their crowns down before him because not just of the power of his creation, but not just the, the greatness that displays, but the goodness of creation as well. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? It's an open question. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. So do you see the scene here? You see these four living creatures who are flying around the throne, and all of them are unworthy. The whole of heaven is unworthy, including the 24 elders. So no matter matter how great they are that they sit on thrones around the throne of God, they are not worthy even to open those scrolls. So if, if there's nobody here in this scene who is worthy to open the scroll, then John says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. He was desperate to see what, was, what, what this word of God was that was being withheld and that only God knew. And this is exactly what Jesus told us yesterday regarding times and all that. He says even the angels don't know it and even the Son doesn't know the specific time and day. And so here now we're going to see the resurrected Christ after he has said these things in Matthew about not knowing these things, we see that scroll that reveals all those things. So this is sort of the completion of what we saw in the gospel lesson yesterday. And then one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So his work of salvation for all who believe, it was completed so that he can open the scroll. He had to do the work before he could know these things. He had to complete the work 
before even this piece of information was made available to him. But he alone, he alone, in all of heaven and on earth and under the earth, was worthy. And if we understand that, and if we receive that and we believe that, then we are in Christ. We see the uniqueness of Christ, the uniqueness of his sacrifice by which we approach the throne of grace. If we see that, and if we proclaim that, and if we live that, then we are in Christ, and we, too, will rejoice at his coming and live forever in his kingdom.